8. Let's read that real quick. Uh, Wherefore, say unto the children of Israel, Exodus 6, verse 6, Say unto the children of Israel, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. No equivocation in God's declare, you know, decree there, was there? He wasn't saying, I'm going to try, I might, we'll think about it. He said, I will bring you out from under the burden of the Egyptians. I will rid you out of their bondage, and I will redeem you with a stretched out arm and with great judgments. And that is the, the line right there that we're looking at the last couple of weeks is, Right here with a stretched out arm. And we've looked at this and said no matter how much time has passed between a promise of God and uh, you recognizing your promise or getting what God has promised you. And listen, sometimes uh, I think a lot of times and, and the best promises that we wait on the Lord for, I'm, sometimes uh, they are just uh, the things that he has promised to do in us. Like, I don't know, make us in the image of Christ. I don't know about you. How many of you get tired of your flesh? And just say, Lord, can we get it further along here? <laughs> can you make me like Jesus a little more? Because I, I'm really, uh, we're really struggling here, and we're not liking it. And uh, you promised to do that. I tell you what, the full fulfillment of that promise is when we put this carcass down, and we get into the face of the Lord Jesus Christ, and we shall see Him as He is, for we shall be like Him. The Bible says, and I'm looking forward to that. Amen. And so we're looking about an outstretched arm. There are there are spaces between what God says and when He fulfills what He says. And sometimes it's in those lulls. It's in those years. It's in those decades, right, that we begin to go, Lord, did you forget, right? Did you forget what you told me? And uh, no, He did not. God is working all things together for His good, right? He is putting all things uh, together. And it's in those times uh, where... We need to just trust or we need to trust him. He knows what he's doing. You know, I said to the men yesterday at men's prayer. Were you at men's prayer? You were the. Oh, you worked. Yeah, I forgot about that. Sorry, squirrel. Uh, I said it at men's prayer. You know, we were talking about prayer yesterday as well, obviously, at men's prayer and how that that widow that uh, Jesus gave the parable of and for her much for her much speaking, you know, she kept going back to the judge and kept asking over and over and over for to be, um, to be, uh, what, how, how did she say it, um, that she be delivered from her adversary. And Jesus in the parable, which he was likening himself, he was using a parable to draw to himself, you know, he said, have faith in God. He gave this uh, picture of this widow, this parable, and he said, uh, for the unjust judge, he said, for her much speaking, for her much... He was, she was irritating the tar out of him. And he finally said, fine, I'll give you what you want. Right? The persistence, why? Because she knew he was the only source. The, the judge was the only source. She was looking nowhere else. She was exclusively going to him. And she would not stop asking because this is the only place she knew she could have her need met. And this is what we do with God, amen? We persist in prayer. Though he bear long with us, though we have time to wait, though we're waiting on the promises of God, we trust, which means we just continue to seek Him and to look to Him to provide uh, to provide the needs that we have, we just we just keep going on. But th- but I mentioned this yesterday. Um, remember, uh, and this is really profound. Caleb and Joshua believed God for to go into the promised land. They had no problem at all. They were ready to go. 
right? And everybody was against him. They said, God will deliver us. He's already said we would. Giants are big. Who cares? He said he would. But watch this. <laughs> they had to wait 40 years. And it wasn't even their fault. It wasn't even their fault. Sometimes, listen, sometimes our waiting is not you. Sometimes our waiting are the unbelievers that are still around us that are hindering from God doing what he wants to do. I'm telling you, I said it yesterday, there are churches that don't move forward until a generation dies because they just didn't lack, they just lacked faith and they refused to move forward. And then what ends up happening is the generation that does go forward ends up fighting all of the battles the first generation should have already fought. Do you realize all of the battles the children of Israel fought when Joshua brought them in? Their parents and grandparents should have been, had already fought that for them. Yep, he should have already done it, and they didn't do it. And I'm telling you, it's a sad thing. But, but sometimes we wait, we're waiting on God, not because of anything you've done. It's, it's just, listen, sometimes the people around you are just not there yet, and God's trying to bring a whole group along. Sometimes it's just not a right time. Watch this. With Israel, sometimes he doesn't respond until they cry out. They've been here 430 years in Egypt, right? For the first several hundred years, life was fine. Life was good. I mean, they were in the best of the land up in Goshen for all their cattle. They grew. They were expanding probably a couple million of them by this time. But it wasn't until they cried out that God moved. And sometimes you go through the Psalms and look at all the times that David said, I cried unto the Lord. And boy, God responded finally. God, sometimes God is waiting. He's going to deliver and he wants to deliver. But he lets us get to a place where we realize, okay, it's only him. How many got there when you finally came to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ? You tried this and you tried that and you tried this. I mean, you did, and you finally came to a day where you're like, no, it doesn't work. None of it works. You and you alone. And you turn to the Lord Jesus Christ, right? You had to come to that place. I'm so thankful. Watch, I'm thankful that God doesn't step in too early, right? He lets us get to that place. This is what he's doing here in Exodus 6. But notice this, he says that he'll come to him with an outstretched arm. What does that mean? God comes to us. Why? Because we can't make it to him. We can't make it to him. So he comes to us. How beautiful that is. We saw this in redemption. He came to us in salvation, right? That old song, I could not come to where he was, he came to me. What a beautiful song that is. So true. So true. We could not come in redemption. We could not uh, get here. I don't have to go, go over this for this Sunday school class, but we know this uh, very well, right? That there was no way we could make it back to God on our own. Actually, we didn't even want to make it back to God until he began to draw us, right? We had no care. There's none that seeketh after God, the Bible says. You know, there are none that do right. He, he goes on to say there are none that are good. He goes on to say, listen, we don't seek after God until the Holy Spirit of God begins to draw us. Yep. And the, the light comes on and something starts happening in us. We don't, boy, some, we'll look at that here this morning in the morning service. But some, it takes a long time to get there. Some, it's just pretty immediate. And, uh, but God begins to draw. He, his arm is outstretched. He comes to us in redemption but secondly, we started to look at last week, he comes to us in a relationship. It's not just to redeem us and set us free out of jail, right? It's not just to come into the jail, pay the fine, open the door and said, you're free, little buddy, go on, you know, like you rescue your kid. Anybody have kids that love to catch animals and you had to rescue the animals because they're going to die. 
They were going to die in the cage. They're going to be left there. They're going to forget about them, right? And uh, you're going to find a crispy bird at the bottom of the cage one of these days. Or there, we had this torture cage out in the woods. That's all it was was a torture cage. And uh, you'd find a, well, they were just kids. They'd find a rabbit and they'd put it out there. And all oh, they love this little rabbit. They forgot all about the thing. And it's like, you know. And uh, sometimes you'd come as a parent and you'd open the door and Get out of here quick if you want to be alive, you know. But you didn't release it to have a relationship with it. You just released it, right? Right. God releases us to have a relationship with us. He opens the prison door so we can go home with him, right? Not just to get us back out on the street. We'll get you a good place to live. We'll get you some food and clothes and we'll get you a new suit of clothes. We'll get you a nice apartment. And All right. Good luck, friend. Hope to see you around. No. It's a picture of Gomer and Hosea. He bought us off the auction block and took us home. It's relationship. So his arm is outstretched. He comes to us for the relationship. He initiates the relationship. Let me say it this way. He wanted us. He wanted us. Let me say it this way. He is crazy about us. The kid's like that. He's crazy. He's crazy about you. He absolutely is. And he comes to us. He comes to us. It is a relationship. It's a gracious choice. Look at verse 7 of our text. And I will take you to me for a people. I will take you to me for a people. And I will be to you a God. And ye shall know that I am the Lord your God, which bringeth you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. So he takes us. God said, I do at Calvary. He said, I do at Calvary. Will you take this, uh, this woman to be your lawfully wedded wife? Will you take this man to be your lawfully wedded husband? I do, I do. Listen, Jesus already said, I do at Calvary. We come to him at, at this drawing of the Holy Spirit of God is drawing us to say, I do to him. And that day we came to him in salvation and threw our hands up. However, your heart responded to God and admitted that you were wrong and he was right. What were you doing? You were saying, I do, I do. And a beautiful relationship started. With our Heavenly Father. It's a choice of a relationship between God and His people. It's just kind of like those wedding vows. Yeah. Look at, listen to Deuteronomy 7, 6 through 8. I've got this down here. For thou art an holy people unto the Lord thy God. The Lord thy God hath chosen thee to be a special people unto Himself. Above all people that are upon the face of the earth, the Lord did not set his love upon you, nor choose you, because ye are more than number than any people, for ye were the fewest of all people, but because the Lord loved you. And because he would keep the oath which he swore unto your fathers, hath the Lord brought you out with a mighty hand, and redeemed you out of the house of bondmen from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt." Wasn't anything to be done, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believed on him should not perish, but have everlasting life. We are loved, it says in Jeremiah, with an everlasting love, right? Amen. Behold what manner, John, uh, John chapter 3, 1 John chapter 3, behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. God loved us. It was a relationship. He, he released us, right? Are we listening? He released us and set us free for a relationship. And sometimes we kind of wonder if we're worthy of God's love. Usually that comes up after we're saved. 
You know what happens when we get saved? The Spirit of God moves in. You know what you have? You have a holy God living inside of you. And you know what it shows you more than, it's ever seen, than you've ever seen before? How disgusting your flesh is. You ever had, you ever had a rag or something that looked pretty clean? <laughs> then you, or maybe men, you had a t-shirt and your wife was trying to throw it away. You're like, there's nothing wrong with this. It's comfortable and I like it and leave it alone. I like my t-shirt. And you get a new one out there and you're like, whoa, that thing was pretty nasty. I didn't know it was that bad, right? I tried to tell you that thing was disgusting. And, uh, yeah. Sometimes, listen, sometimes you need something clean to notice how dirty what you thought was clean was clean or not clean. However, that, how are you supposed to say that? We have the we have the holy have a holy God living inside of us, and there's many times I, I I know that we go through these things and we wonder after failure after sin after failure after more sin after more failure, we wonder God, are you sure you love me? <laughs> I I am the most probably got to be the most unlovable thing there is out there. Uh, I mean, good grief, your animal kingdom kind of responds and does what they're supposed to do and responds to you and. I think they, I think God uses them. I have no problem with that. And obviously Balaam's donkey was used of God. I, uh, God told a raven to go feed Elijah. I mean, I think they obey better than we do, probably. Yeah. I know we can argue this out. They don't have free will. I get it. Okay, but I'm just saying. Right. But He loves us. We wonder why. There's a beautiful song, a beautiful hymn. We don't sing it here. I don't know if it's even in the book, but it's called "How Can It Be." How can it be that God should love a soul like me? Oh, how can it be? I'm glad I don't know how, have to know how. I'm glad I, we have His Word that He does. I'm glad I have the witness of the Holy Spirit of God that He loves us. Whereby we cry, what? Abba, Father, relationship. I'm so happy for that. First Peter 5, 7, Casting all your care upon Him, for He careth for you. Right? He has redeemed us with an outstretched arm. He came to us. Freed us from our sin, from our bondage, so that we could have a relationship with Himself. It's a gracious choice. Nothing that we did. He just chose us. I love that. And listen, He has chosen the world in Jesus Christ. Don't let these Calvinists mess you up. Right? He hasn't chosen just some elect. He hasn't just picked and chose, you know, just picked out some through humanity. I know what I used to believe. I thought, well, I mean, it was only logical. We're all born dead in trespasses and sins. We're all going to hell. And so if God just chooses some out of that mass that's going to hell, it's not like he chose some not to go to, you know, it's not like he chose those to go to hell that he didn't choose. They're just going there anyway. I know the, I know the, you know, the logic fallacy of that. I used to believe that. But it's ridiculous because of no matter what happens, a choice means you had another choice. One, if you have a choice of two, it means you rejected one and chose the other, regardless of how you say it. All right, you if you say here's a dollar, here's two, and here's ten dollars, and you choose the dollar, well you'll be dumb. But if you choose the dollar, you've rejected the ten dollars. You say, well, no, I just didn't choose it. No, you said no. <laughs> right? Yeah. We know that. God is the, Jesus was the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but for the sins of the whole world. God so loved the world. He has chosen all of us in Jesus Christ. Right? It's a gracious choice. Notice this. It's a gracious care. Verse 7. I will be to you a God. Continual fellowship. Constant care of his people. That is, I will be to you a God right now and forever. Right. 
Actually, think about it. You know when Jesus said, you know, um, uh, believe in God, believe also in me and my Father's house for many mansions. You know, if it were not so, I would have told you. I go away to prepare a place for you. And if I go away, I, shall, I, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there ye may be also. Do you realize the words of Jesus are spoken to those that are alive now and not yet with him? When he said, you will be with me. You know what that is? That is continual care. And if he has promised us to be with him, when we get there, <laughs> right, he's going to be there forever. When we, if, if, he, if he is waiting for us in that eternal state, right, once we get to that eternal state, how will we ever get outside of that eternal state? Okay, that's too much thinking for a Sunday morning at this hour of the day. Sorry. Exodus 20, 2 through 3, I am the Lord thy God, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Right. <clears throat> God wants us. Right. How badly do we want him? I read, I read to uh, the men at men's prayer an excerpt from Oswald Chambers. I don't know if I could find it quickly enough or not, but it's a beautiful thing. But he is, in, in essence, he said this, we, we love it when God is pleased with us, but when was the last time we sought to just please Him? In so many words. When, when was the last time we sought out just to do something that we knew would make God happy? When have we just, like, just thought, like, I wonder what I could do today that the Lord would be pleased with? Isn't that kind of how a love relationship works? Right? I mean, you might wake up in the morning and think, what could I, what could I do for my pastor? That just, <sighs> let me think here. And, and if you need to know, I'll give you a list here later. Just ask me, that'll be fine. Or your husband, your wife, right? Your parents, Brother Jim. I hope you wake up every morning and say, what could I do to just really make mom and dad happy? Well, the dog's still there. Well, anyway, well. But we do do that, don't we? There are times in our life when we, when we have a relationship with somebody we love, we just love to do things for them. Right? When was the last time we just sought out to do something for the Lord Jesus Christ? He cares for us. How much do we care for Him? Yeah. So we looked at a redemption, a relationship, a remembrance. A remembrance. God, listen, a relationship, third thing, a remembrance. God, God has promised Israel a land. And here's, here's three parts of deliverance. Redemption, right? Relationship. And what I call number three, a real estate. Real estate. Remember Jesus told Peter, Jesus said, what, what, Peter said, what are we going to have? Right? They got all this. What are we going to have? And Jesus said, well, in this life, you'll have houses and lands and the life to come, you know, uh, you know a hundred, hundredfold and life everlasting. Right? He said, you're going to have what you need here, Peter. And in the life to come, you're going to have even more. I mean, an eternal amount more. What, what, what is he saying? We have a real estate. We have things that God has promised us. He's promised us a place with him. He's promised us, a, a, a quote, a land. He's promised us, uh, you might say, a legacy. So in, in here in Exodus, God is promising Israel to give them a land. Verse 8, And I will bring you into the land, unto the land concerning that which I did swear to give it to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, and I will give it you for an heritage. I am the Lord. Yeah. 
So God promised not only to take care of, not only to deliver them, he promised not only to have a relationship with them, but he promised also that real estate that he had, that he had already made a promise with Abraham for. He's keeping his covenant. Watch this. So, some, uh, I don't know what, 600 some years later, after God made the promise to Abraham, he's, he's keeping it. He hasn't forgot it. He hasn't forgot it. Genesis 12, 1 through 2, Now the Lord had said unto Abraham, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto land that I will show thee, and I will make thee a great nation. I will bless thee. I will make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. So here God is reminding Israel what he has already told Abraham. 600 years later, God's still sticking to the plan. He's still saying he's going to do it. There's promises there. Do you know that we have promises? We have great, exceeding, and precious promises. Absolutely we do. John 14, 3. Remember, I just quoted this for you. He said, if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am. There ye may be also. That's a promise. Amen. There's a land that is fairer than day, the song says. And by faith we shall see it afar. Right? For the Father waits o'er the way uh, to prepare us a dwelling place there. And the sweet by and by. Real estate. We've got land we're waiting for. He has promised us a place with him. You, you know what's, what's really cool this morning? Uh, Brother Russell's there. Brother Cummins is there. Sister Dolores is there. Sister Nona is there. Edith Ward, they're, they're all there. They're just waiting. <laughs> they're just waiting on us, man. It's awesome. There's a promise. There's a promise. When I, Anton LaVey Anton LaVey was the writer of the Satanic Bible. And when he died, on his deathbed, he said, Oh no, oh no, something is dreadfully wrong. Oh no, oh no. Yeah. Yeah, he was wrong. What he was opening up to is hell. And he thought he was going to come to a place of prominence and power, just like Satan tried to th- thought he was going to come to, and like he tried to get even Adam to come to. No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. We have the stories, we have the history of so many on their deathbed, believers in Christ that had some of the most glorious entrances into heaven. And uh, those around the bed got to hear it, got to see it. Uh, Brother Charles Elliott, when his wife passed away, of course he couldn't see, his daughter was telling him. And she was in just horrendous pain from the cancer. He said she'd get almost almost uh, just uh, just maniacal, I mean, just with pain. And he said they'd have to give her a pill real quick and she'd just stop and she'd calm down. Finally. It, was, it was awful. But it, as, as she was on her way out, her, her uh, daughter said she opened her eyes and looked and said, thank you. And she was gone. Yeah. We know the angels of God come for God's saints. And I'm confident the angel of the Lord, uh, an angel showed up she said, thank you. Yeah. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Yeah. It's a promise. You believe it? Amen. Are you looking forward to it? Amen. Yeah. Ready to take a load up right now? Amen. Oh, yeah, well, okay. <laughs> I was wondering. Some, some are like, wait a minute. <laughs> Brother Mike is like, I don't know about right now. <laughs> I'm ready. <laughs> yeah. Amen. Uh, 600 years. And I tell you, it's been 2,000 years, but he's still coming. You know, what, what, what was the warning that Jesus gave? They're going to they're gonna go, so where is the promise of his coming? Oh, how many are falling away from the faith. Hmm. 
How many are changing their doctrine because he just hasn't come yet? Right. You ever think that? Have you ever think that the, the, the delay of his coming is his mercy? It's his mercy. Because there are those that need to come to Christ. There are those that, listen, there are those that have heard the gospel. And if they go into the tribulation, I know some people may not, may not agree with this, but I think you're wrong. <laughs> but if they go into the tribulation period hearing the gospel, they will not get saved. If they have heard the gospel before they go into the tribulation period, they've heard the gospel, they rejected the gospel, Jesus has returned and caught us away, and they've gone into the tribulation period without hearing the gospel, according to 2 Thessalonians 2.14, God says He'll give them over to believe a lie, and they will not be saved. Why not? Well, it wouldn't be faith, friend. It was like, oh, well, I guess they were right. Okay, Lord. Nope. No, you had all of the evidence that everybody else had, and you said no, right? It says, you know what? The longer God delays His coming, it is the mercy of God. It is the mercy of God. So He gave them a land. What time time is it? We've got just a couple minutes here. Oh, no, we don't. We've got four minutes at least. He's not giving us an earthly land. He's giving us something better. He's getting a heavenly land. Now the JWs, obviously he's promised them the earth, but they can have it because it'll... <laughs> no, he hasn't. I'm joking, okay? So <laughs> they're going to inherit the earth. They say the meek will inherit the earth. They think they're going to get the earth. And I say, have it. Have it. I'm getting something better than this. You can have it. We'll come back and rule and reign with the Christ for a thousand years. And it won't be because of them, that's for sure. It'll be because of Jesus. But uh, we have a better land. We have an eternal land. We have an eternal place. 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18, listen to this verse. For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but which are at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Colossians 3, 1 through 2, the Bible says, If then you be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affections on things above and not on things of the earth. Did a funeral two weeks ago. Didn't do the funeral, but I was at the funeral. Did the graveside. And uh, there's a saying that Brother Clark had all the time. And uh, he gave, I'd said this before, he gave and gave and gave and gave, just gave everything away. And his, his little response was always, oh, I'm just sending it on ahead. I'm just sending it ahead. He got rewards, I'm just sending it ahead. And he's there now. He's, at, he's in his reward now. And uh, he set his affections on things above, not on things of the earth. He wasn't too worried about this world, right? Uh, he lived in it. He had a good job. He had a good trade. He was a pharmacist. He was very successful. Uh, but that's not where his, that's not where he placed his joy. His joy was in the Lord Jesus Christ. But listen, God doesn't forget his promises. He doesn't forget them, the, the ones that he's made us here in this life to conform us to the image of Christ. You may not think he's doing it, but he is, right? And he is not, he will not, um, he will not lie when he says that he, we, he has given us an eternal an eternal land. But notice this lastly. He's promised to give them a legacy. 
Genesis 13, 14 through 15. Listen to what God said to Abraham. And the Lord said unto Abraham, After that lot was separated from him, lift up now thine eyes, and look from the place where thou art northward, and southward, and eastward, and westward, for all the land which thou seest, to thee will I give it. Look at this. And to thy seed forever. And so here in Exodus 6 and verse 8, God's going to reiterate the promise. Look at verse 8. And I'll bring you unto the land concerning the which I did swear to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, and I'll give it to you for an heritage. I am the Lord. A legacy. A heritage. So we see God's promise is fulfilled in the future history of Israel, right? He brought them into the promised land under the leadership of Joshua. He sent them into Babylonian captivity for, for some discipline and judgment. Then he brought them back into the land again. And uh, here they got scattered again around 70 AD, the destruction of the temple, where Rome came in and just kind of wiped everything out. And then God brings them back again, 1948. And they're still flooding back into Israel today. They are flooding back into Israel. Why? Because the end is drawing nigh. Jesus is about to show up. He's about, listen, he's about to take us out of here and he's going to come back. And we're going to come with him. And we're going to go into that, that, uh, that, uh, that valley there of Armageddon. And uh, we're going to go into that valley and that final war is going to be fought there. And, uh, but they are. The Jews are, are flooding back into Israel from all over the world. They're heading back home. And God said he was going to do that. And so although God gave promises to Israel to deliver them by an outstretched arm, meaning I'm going to do it, I'm going to come to you, right? Although he promised to do that, you know, sadly, they've struggled with that doubt, didn't they? You look, go through the Old Testament, look at how often do they, have you ever scratched your head at some of the things they do and you're like, but wait a minute, you actually watch the Red Sea like go, and walk through it, <laughs> right? You you watch you you know you watched armies get defeated. You woke up every morning for forty years and had this. What is this on the ground that you ate every day, right? And collected twice on on Friday for Saturday. You know you you ever think at the end of like forty years, like I'm still wearing the same suit and I haven't like it's not worn out. My shoes are the same size. I have you know. I mean, all of the things that God did, you would have thought they'd go, wow, this is really great. But no, they still doubted. They still doubted. One little problem comes up. Oh, where are his promises, right? I knew, I knew you brought us out here just to kill us in the desert. Really? <laughs> right? I think there'd be a lot more fun way to kill you than to do it that way. I mean, really, come on. Doubt. Why? Why did they have doubt? Why do we have doubt? Watch. We have doubt because we view our life through our experience rather than through God's revelation. When you begin to look at your surroundings and your on, based on your experience, friend, the doubts will come. When you stand on what God has said, the doubts will flee away. Absolutely. It's called trust. It's called trust. You know, you, know, you know what trust is? And this is what Satan really gets us to do, right? Satan gets us to try to move away from our trust with God. It's what he did with Eve when you think about it. Do you realize what Eve did? Eve, watch, she had a choice. The serpent came to her, said, Hath God said, called God a liar, 
you won't surely die. Now think what he did. He questioned what God said. He called him a liar, right? He said he promised her something. He gave a promise, right? You know, when your eyes open, you're going to see as God's. I mean, it's going to be wonderful, right? And watch what she did. She trusted him over God. That's what she did, didn't she? Eve trusted Satan. She already knew what God said. Adam told her. Even add a little bit to it. Don't even touch it. Right? And Satan comes with this, this, another created being that allowed Satan to indwell him and to use him, possess him, came along and said, God didn't say that. Right? She trusted him. Do you know that's what we do when we don't live by faith? Watch. We end up trusting Satan over God. What is the biggest thing that we end up trusting? What does Satan say to us? What is the biggest, watch this, what is the biggest thing that Satan says to us about sin? No, no consequences. No consequences. You know what happens? When we go ahead and sin, know what we've done? We've just believed, we've trusted Satan over God. Yeah. I'm so, aren't you glad for the mercy of God? That he knows we're but dust and we're dumb? Sheep, he calls us sheep, right? Yeah. Watch, obeying, what is trust? Trust is obedience. How, how did Eve trust Satan? She did what he said. How do we trust God? We do what he says, regardless of the circumstances. See, that is trust. And this is, when doubts come in, when do doubts come in? Well, we begin to look at the circumstances instead of the revelation, Right? So how, how do you, how do you uh, live after the revelation and reject the circumstances? Well, regardless of what is going on around you and blowing up around you, just believe what God said and do what he said. Well, that doesn't make sense because this is going on and this is going on, right? I lost my job and uh, all I made this week was $20. You really, God really wants me to give two bucks? It's up to you, friend. You can trust him or you can look at your circumstances and live that way. I don't know. Right? I mean, are you tracking? Do you get what I'm saying here? This is what happened with Israel. The, the promises have been put off. They began to doubt because they began to look at their experiences rather than God. Rather than rejoicing in promises. Listen to what Hudson Taylor said will be done. All my life has been so fickle. Sometimes I could trust. Sometimes I could not. But when I could not trust, then I reckoned that God would be faithful. Aren't you glad for that? There is a text that says, if we believe not, yet he abideth faithful, he cannot deny himself. So true. There are times in our life, listen, we're going to struggle to believe the faithfulness of God. But I'm thankful that our doubts never dissuade his faithfulness. He's still working. He's still faithful. He's still doing what he said he will do. He has offered the relationship. He has come to us. Why has He delivered you? To have a relationship, right? To have redemption, to have a relationship, to have a promise of some real estate. We have a future promise as well. His word's true. Would you believe Him today? Well, what do you mean? Just obey. I think somebody wrote a song about that, didn't they? Trust and obey. Yeah, something like that, yeah. yeah. Great song. Simple truth. Just trust Him. What does that mean? Obey regardless of the circumstances. 
Listen, he's going to lead you out, and he will. Just hang on there. He's got a purpose. He's working on it. Our Father, thank you. Thank you for the, the wisdom that you are to know that this needed to be recorded for us. We needed to see this. There are many in this room who are looking to you today. They've been looking to you for deliverance. Many in this room, I believe, have been born again, so thankful for that. They, they look to you for that deliverance, and they have that relationship with you. And there's still some other things that they're trusting for as well. And Lord, maybe you've made some promises about those things that they're looking for. I pray you'd help us while the circumstances don't seem to be coming out like we think they ought to be. Would you help us to remember that you're still working? You've made promises and you can't deny yourself. You can't lie. And Father, would you help us just to trust, regardless of those circumstances, to trust you and live a life of just obedience and faithfulness. Help us with that, would you please? In Jesus' name, amen. Oh, amen.